Almost. 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 Major. 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 Holy fucking shit, this is major! Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Almost Major, where we talk about the many major studios and the films they released. Today we're talking about... Oh! <laughs> oh! 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 Ah! Oh! E! Oh! 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 From 2001, put out by Lionsgate. My name is Kevin Tudor. I'm here with Charlie Nash. Hello. And Bryden Doyle. Hello. And returning is uh, Mike Thorne. How are you, sir? Doing well, thanks. And like I said, we were talking about... Oh! Why do you see my... Oh! In 2001, this premiered at Seattle International Film Festival in May 2001. Opened wide to 1,434 theaters on August 31st, 2001 at number 7th. Maxed out at 1,464 theaters. Uh, the budget on this was 5 mil. Opening weekend did 5.6 mil. Domestic gross of 16 mil and an overall gross of 19.2 mil. Uh, have I seen every single one of these top five movies? Yes, I have. Good. Uh, top five films this weekend. Uh, Jeepers Creepers, Rush Hour 2, American Pie 2, The Others, and Drumroll, Rad Race. <laughs> that race was in regular rotation at my house. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Same. We were talking about it again at work about how, like, insane that movie is, where it's like, in 2001, oh, just another dumb comedy, but you talk about that movie with anybody who's never seen it and you sound psychotic. Like, <laughs> or to somebody who's just like i think i've seen that movie what's it called oh yeah i've seen that movie nine thousand times and i just forgot all about it wow yeah, yeah 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 i believe when mary beth was on we talked about it for like 20 minutes for some reason yeah um and then there were other things that we didn't even cover where you start talking about it like okay cuba gooding jr what does he do oh he steals a bus full of uh lucille ball impersonators, impersonators. <laughs> uh-huh i am John yeah, Lovitz doesn't tell his family about the $2 million. Why? Uh, reasons? And then at one point, they don't want to stop to go to the bathroom, so he makes his daughter take a shit out the window, and it lands on a cop car. And then the next scene, they're still driving. Wait, what? They didn't they arrest him to... for that? No, they just then let they... him off with a warning. <laughs> then, they, then he shows up, and he, everybody thinks he's Hitler. It's a whole thing. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, number one song in the U.S. this week is Elevation by U2. Uh, number one song in Canada this week is Fallen by Alicia Keys. Isn't Elevation the Tomb Raider song they wrote? Yep. Yeah, yep. yep. I remember that one. Yep. Plot description from Google for O. Uh, moving the classic tale of Othello onto the basketball courts of a high school. The story focuses on Odin, played by Mackay Pfeiffer, who is convinced by a conniving best friend, Hugo, Josh Hartnett, which... If this tells you anything, never trust a motherfucker named Hugo, that his girlfriend Julia Stiles is cheating on him. Of course, what Odin doesn't know is that Hugo is, in fact, motivated by his own jealousy of Odin's good fortune. It's a sticky situation in classic Shakespearean tradition. Yeah, I would call, like, murdering, like, ten people a sticky situation. Um, yeah. I didn't by... see. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oops, all dead. Yeah. Um, directed by <laughs> Tim Blake Nelson, primarily known for acting, but as far as directing prior to this, I Have God in 1997, which I watched, and that movie is a fucking downer. Really um, good, though. Really good. And it has Nick Stahl from, from Bully, as I, I think we talked about, which he's, like, a complete 180 from his performance in Bully, but really good. It That was one of those movies where, like, probably for most of it i was like yeah this is fine but then by the end of it i was like i should watch that again because that ending's a 
that that's a hammer of an ending um which this movie also a fucking downer and then he has gray zone in 2001 which is all about nazis and shit in world war ii so i think he just tim blake nelson is just just a downer guy when he directs shit um, but he's so avuncular when he's an actor i guess he just like invests oh, yeah. all that energy <laughs> like just, oh my gosh his, his yeah. segment in buster scruggs is like that was one of the funniest things i saw in any movie that year um <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, yeah same year gray zone 2001 which was also put out by Lionsgate. um after this leaves of grass in 2009 and anesthesia in 2015 uh anybody seen leaves of grass no. i tried watching it a couple years ago and i i didn't feel like going through it but like i don't know after watching these two movies i kind of want to go back like especially just because like it, it is such it seemed like such a tonal uh shift to this these two movies which are so dour and everything not in a bad way but like are very like grim um nah, i think mm-hmm. in a bad way but we'll get oh. to that. Ah. <laughs> uh adapted from the play written by william shakespeare prior to this william shape no i'm kidding uh screenplay by brad kaya uh i did not look what else he's done but i think i remember not much um, oh, oh i looked it up it was like some parody movie it was like the 41 year old virgin who knocked up sarah knocked up marshall, sarah marshall and felt super bad about it uh, okay that's what that's where you go from oh okay uh starring mckay pfeiffer as odin james prior to this clockers in 1995 high school high in 1996 i that that's a movie that somehow lives in my head and i still know what you did last summer in 1998 after this paid in full in eight mile in 2002 dawn of the dead in 20 2004 135 episodes of er from 02 to 08 and he was in the divergent series which i'm sure that's what everybody knows him from uh julia styles as desi uh prior to this 10 things i hate about you in 99 uh, Hamilton and Tooth Hamlet in 2000, uh, the same year, Save the Last Dance. Uh, after this, the Bourne franchise, Mona Lisa Smile, the fifth season of Dexter uh, Hustlers, and Orphan First Kill, which kicks ass. She's so much fun in Orphan First Kill. <laughs> yes. Um, but yeah, if if this movie wouldn't have got delayed and it came out in 99 like it was supposed to, it would have been 10 Things I Had About You, which is a Shakespeare adaptation, this, which is a Shakespeare adaptation, and Hamlet shakespeare adaptation in like one year i don't know why the hell they, they casted her and it was wow. just like she's the shakespeare gal oh josh hartnett as hugo golding uh prior to this halloween h2o which i never really looked it up but i didn't know that was his first performance uh in the faculty in 1998 virgin suicides in 99 same year uh blow the same year he has blow dry town and country pearl harbor and black hawk down <laughs> uh after this 40 days and 40 nights in 2002 i'll watch that garbage wicker park in 2004 i will also watch that garbage lucky number 11 in 2006 black dolly in 2006 30 days and nine in 2007 and 27 episodes of penny dreadful also starring martin sheen andrew keegan eldon henson and john hurd uh trivia I don't have much here, but what is here is very interesting. Uh, the official uh, release date was initially October 17th, uh, 1999, but was postponed following the Columbine High School massacre in April of that year. The delay was likely due to the film's themes of sex and violence in high school, as suggested by his director. I listened to the commentary for O. Oh, it's not that interesting. It's not bad, but that's that's what he posited. It's on the commentary. Uh, another theory is that it was held back until after the 2000 U.S. presidential election. I don't see how that toast anything uh the film the film was initially due to be released by miramax but the studio passed on passed it to Lionsgate after o's producers sued for breach of contract they're like you're putting this shit out or we're gonna sue the shit out of you and i do remember in the movie uh, the book uh, down and dirty pictures they talk about this a little bit more but that's pretty much the gist of it 
the studio were initially hesitant about giving the film a one-letter title. The original title was Odin, but they eventually decided the one-letter title was better because it was unique. The O also resembles a basketball hoop, which Mackay Pfeiffer appears to be holding on the poster. No, he doesn't. Uh, Julia Stiles' third Shakespeare, I already said that. Uh, Christina Ricci originally had the part of Desi, but dra- dropped out due to scheduling conflicts. Uh, yeah, I, I, I think Julia Stiles around great. that time. Yeah, that, that's um, two years before, right? Or three years? Yeah. Well, it would have been one year before because yeah. since it shot in 90, probably early 99, so probably right around that time. Hmm. I didn't think you were going to make it. Oh, come on now. No, I can't beat Magnolia tomorrow and I'll see my good luck child first. His name is Odin James. But everyone calls him O. A star player in love with the most popular girl in school. This year's unanimous choice for most valuable player, Mr. Odin James. I love you. I love you too. But nothing comes between two people's passion. I love him like my own son. Like one person's jealousy. The plan I've come up with is flawless. We're going to break him up. You trust me? What's up, man? Why you tripping? Watch your girl, bro. I mean, she and Mike spend an awful lot of time together. You never used to go out with Mike or anything like that, right? Michael? He's like my best friend. But I thought I was your best friend. What? You're the only person I've ever been with. And if you want to be with me, don't ever talk to me like that again, ever. If he comes at me again, I swear I'll kill him. I'm sorry. Desi was going behind my back. I could deal with that. But all this wondering you got me going through? Me. Yeah, you. But yeah, that's all the trivia I got. Uh, initial thoughts, Bryden. What'd you think of? Oh, uh, I liked it uh, quite a bit. I, I should jo- just lay my cards on the table. I this was not we I, obviously we had Shakespeare units in high school. This was never one of the plays that I had to read though for school. I I do have a copy of it. I read the first couple of scenes. It is it's interesting already just reading the first couple of scenes. How like the the racial the the racist motivation behind like the characters wanting to like go after Othello and like the play like it's it's like very clearly stated in the di- in the dialogue in between the private ca- in the private conversations between you know the Hugo and Rod- Rodrigo I think is the character's name um in in oh it's uh Hugo and Roger um but like it's interesting how like in trans you know taking it over to the the present day in the south and everything how like it is like a different it is still racially motivated and everything but like it is like the way that like it's all very unspoken and everything like and like because like it's like the and like that feels like much more realistic to like the time that they're they're taking place in um and like it's disturbing i'm like you know it's um you know when andrew keegan's character who's like super uh close with like uh, um with mckay pfeiffer and everything how like that racism comes out when like as long when like his friendship with him like stops being advantageous towards him and everything it's it's so that's there's like lots of complex stuff that's going on with this being in the south and like you know the presence of american flags and like and all that with like the the racism the racist legacy of America and everything. Um, lots of loaded stuff going on here. Um, I think all the performances are very good. Um, you know, I, I think Mackay Pfeiffer is like one of those actors who can be very tender and everything. Like and like you know the, his scenes with Julia Stiles like in the early courtship is very sweet and everything. Like you know like the little like smiles that he gives her when he's like giving the gifts to her and her roommate and everything. It's very sweet. But then like the way his body like she's like swinging his arms. It's like he's just sort of spirals out of control with jealousy. It's like it's very affecting while also being like 
conveying like the right sense of menace and everything with his character because like i mean he does do terrible things to her later on in the movie um you know making it you know sort of similar to bully making a character like you know very multifaceted without excusing the horrible behavior that he uh that he commits in the movie um i think hartnett is very good too i mean the way that he makes you know his his scheming very offhand and everything when like he's like you know, leaning when like the way he's like leaning back in like that gym scene when like they're talking when like they're working and he's like saying like ah you know you probably don't even want to know about this and everything like you always the way it's just like so cunning but also making it seem so offhanded is is great um and you know the soundtrack is a lot of good songs on the soundtrack and I think there's it's also something very pointed that it's like you know about a, an a black kid at a at an all white school and everything but like and like you know there's like a lot of you know naive racial prejudice and everything but like all the kids like don't really understand black culture and anything but are also consuming a lot of it you know at the parties that they go to and then like you know Julia Stiles like says that she wants to, she's like why can't I say the n-word as a white person and it's like just like the cluelessness of that um yeah no and it's you know the one thing I would say that is a bit of a problem is like you know the movie's only like 90 minutes long and it is like it does escalate uh, pretty quickly from like the moment that like you know the seeds seeds of doubt are planted in odin like it's it then is not long after that he has the scene where he assaults uh desi in the motel room which is very upsetting i think like you know filmed with the appropriate level of upsetting you know but in a way that is appropriate appropriately upsetting without being exploitative um it is um it is like kind of it, it almost feels like the movie kind of like goes into overdrive like a little too quickly but then i guess also that's like the fact that this is like, you know, teen characters and everything. It is like sort of taking their, these emotions that are very heightened and, you know, sort of taking it to like the darkest uh, territory and everything with like that, like them acting out in violence. And I think that, but the movie also like treats it very sincerely in a way that I think is uh, rather, um, rather affecting and everything. Like it's not, it's not like winking at it at all. And like, you know, as opposed to like something like 10 things I hate about you, which I like in its own way, but like that movie is like, you know, kind of like looking at how goofy teenagers are. Whereas I feel like this is like, really taking them at face value in a way that is very is very it's very sad i mean yeah this movie is a downer it's wild that they released it in in the summer i mean august 31st is not like a great release time but it's it's yeah you don't again like this is the kind of movie that i don't feel like you get very much of uh nowadays and uh yeah for that i i, I think it's really interesting and i'm curious to hear more people talk about it uh in this chat yeah mike your thoughts on O. Yeah, so this one I don't have as long of a history with as I did with the previous film we discussed, Bully. Um, I do think there's some like really interesting kind of serendipitous overlaps between the two films, though. Um, and I've always I, I I really liked O on both viewings. Um, I think it's a a really nuanced and complex study of kind of destructive masculinities, especially. Um, and then of course there are the race and gender elements that play into it as well. I think it does engage with all these things in kind of nuanced ways as Bryden pointed out, but it's also, it's very powerful and direct at the same time. Um, and I, I love Othello as a play. Um, I love narratively how Iago plays this role as like the architect of plot. And I like the way that just functions narratively. That's always fascinated me. And I think Josh Hartnett is a very badass Iago. Um, Mackay Pfeiffer's great. Um, Julia Stiles is great. Uh, yeah, and I like, I guess I just appreciate that this is such a kind of grim uh, teen high school movie. Like Bryden was saying, we just do not see this sort of frankness in American mainstream cinema anymore. So yeah, thumbs up to O for me. Charlie, thoughts? 
I did not like this movie that much. <laughs> um, and I, I, I have to be honest, I didn't like it at all. And I think I'm going to be alone, uh, or at least in terms of I'll be the, the I think I'm going to be alone in that I've the most uh, negative things to say. I, 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 uh, I admire the effort. Um, I will say I've read some Shakespeare like Bryden. I have not read Othello. It's not one that I'm very familiar with. I found it's it's funny because I'm thinking about why did Bully work so well for me in this? I mean, they are two di different types of movies, but we were talking about, you know, how, yeah, they don't make these types of dark uh, teen crime movies anymore. And I think the thing with Bully is that as as gross and skeezy as that movie can be at times, I still felt like these teenagers had interior lives and a lot of that movie, even though it is about a murder is scenes of letting them breathe. And when you're adapting Shakespeare and putting it into a high school narrative, to me, all these characters felt very one dimensional and very archetypal. Um, I, I admire what it tries to get at in terms of, you know, race and masculinity. I do think there are points that are being made that need to be conveyed in film, but I found a lot of it just dramatically unconvincing. I don't understand why nobody thinks Josh Hartnett is lying in any scene of this movie. They all immediately think he's like, and, and they, and they have throwaway lines too. Like, Oh, well everybody loves him. He has no enemies. And then Julia Stiles says something like, well, you know, maybe some, uh, someone without enemies should have an enemy. Oh, well maybe you, he has one like that type of thing where I'm just kind of like, but why does everybody just go along with what he says at all times and they are instantly doubtful of every other character without ever really i don't really feel like we know who josh hartnett is as a character other than the opening scene where his dad the coach picks mckay pfeiffer over him and then automatically he's like i'm gonna ruin his life i don't really feel like there's that that it's that complex of a character and they don't really go into that or the relationship with his dad all that much they just kind of have shots of him just like basically emoting without reacting, you know, like, and I think that, you know, I know it, it's probably very faithful to the stage play. I felt especially bad for Julia Stiles and her character because nothing good happens to her at all throughout this movie at all. And it consistently gets worse. I know it's a Shakespeare tragedy, but I also feel like we don't really know anything about her except that she loves this guy. And then that guy becomes awful to her because Josh Hartnett just whispering in his ear the entire time. I just found it all very, uh, yeah, I found it to be kind of a slog. I, f I just wanted it to be over. And for 90 minutes, I felt like it, it dragged and dragged. And then by the time we got to the violent finale, I was just didn't really feel much of anything. And was just kind of relieved it was over because I got tired of being in this, what felt to me like a very contrived adaptation of we'll just, make it Shakespeare, but with teens, which have been done before. I mean, 10 Things I Hate About You is not my favorite teen movie ever, but it's got a lot of charm. This just felt very, uh, it's, it's not my type of dour, I guess. So that's, those are my initial thoughts. Yeah. I kind of mirror you. I'm a little bit more positive because of the ending, but yeah, for a grand majority of it. Well, first of all, I am like, very much allergic to Shakespeare so that also I was coming into this like uh I'm not gonna like this so maybe that kind of clouded me a little bit but the thing that I I'm one I'm just too dumb to understand like old English and shit like that so that's why it puts me off but this is very much a very tight telling of it but not uh dialogue wise similar to 10 things I hate about you 
it's just like Charlie, what you were saying with the archetypes and whatnot. That's also kind of my main problem for a majority of it. Everybody's doing pretty good. Julia Styles, like you're saying, not really have much to do. Mackay Pfeiffer, really, he, he's pretty. He's pretty good. And then by the end of it, like his monologue is it's what really seals it for me. But yeah, it's mostly it's a lot of scenes of Josh Hartnett being just like, I don't know, man, she might be cheating on you. And then, yeah. Um, but by the end of it, it definitely, definitely, I mean, of course I was expecting a uh, Shakespeare like tragic ending, but I didn't know the particular ending of Othello, but it just really, really is haunting by the end of it. And a big fan of Josh Hartnett at the end of it, uh, especially with Mackay Pfeiffer, but yeah, it's mostly I'm just overall fine on this one. But uh, yeah, also Odin James OJ. I saw, thought that That's was, very, yeah. that feels very yeah. pointed. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah. I mean, do you want to respond to a couple of the things that were that were brought yeah, yeah, up? Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. I think Hartnett getting away with all of this. I mean, yes, I think it is the fact that he is an overwhelmingly popular kid, and um, like you know, everyone likes him. He has a girlfriend that likes, and you know. You know, that's like, I think, very, very interesting, like just sort of like his sense of entitlement that he has, like everything that he could possibly want for. He has a, a place on the basketball team. He has a dad who, mm-hmm. uh, he has, it would, you know, thanks to his dad and everything. He has a girlfriend who seems to like him. He has lots of friends. You know, he's very handsome and everything. And yet it's still not enough that this, that this black kid at his school is like succeeding in a way that he feels like he does, that he feels like he should have and everything. That feels like very true to how like i think a lot of people a lot of white people are in the, in the world and i think also that, that the overwhelming whiteness of the school and the mass like the fact that it's like so male and everything he's playing very very deliberately off like the sort of racism and misogyny that's boiling under the surface and everything like you know like he's playing he's like he knows that these sort of prejudices are boiling under, this, under the surface so he like plays off of that to sort of like you know set all this in motion um and i think like you know the movie is like just like so good with like I mean, well, yeah, I mean, that's, that's, I, that's the main point I wanted to respond to, but, um, yeah, I, I feel just, uh, and Nelson's direction is very, uh, very clever too, I think, in showing like the power dynamics and everything. I mean, I love the one scene when, um, they're all called into the office, I think after like the, the house party fight or whatever. And it's, um, you know, Andrew Keegan in like the background and like the Kai Pfeiffer in the foreground and everything. And they're all like kind of sitting and Keegan just sort of like looks ashamed and everything and look, looking, looking down at himself. But then like Hartnett, I mean, it's the way like the performance is played too. Like he's got his sort of hands, like almost like class, like he's like, this is like his plan and everything. Like the way it's like also, and like, he's like sort of like in the middle of all of this, like, you know, directing all of it. And um, yeah. And, and, you know, it's, and it's interesting. Um, uh, the idea of like you know the dire- directing all of this um you know like those aerial shots that you get especially like in the opening and closing scenes and everything you do get the, it's almost like kind of like a god's eye view and everything it's like it is like the sense of someone orchestrating this tragedy whether it's like uh hugo orchestrating it and then also like other forces at play that are you know setting this tragedy in motion and then you know the the um, the scene it, it feels very much like something that i imagine is in the shakespeare play and everything the, the scene where odin is like listening on the balcony uh when like Hartnett is having a conversation with Andrew Keegan and everything that like in sort of like the strategic placement so that like Odin has sort of like a a, a skewed perspective of the whole thing like it's it's cool how like they, they're able to take things that feel very at home in Shakespeare and then like make it like seem germane in this modern context um yeah I, I anyway, sorry I'm, I feel like I'm getting carried away but no it's, no, it, it's, no, I mean, it's, no no it, it was a it was it goes back to my big problem with the movie which is I think Josh Hartnett sets everything in motion and I agree with you and I like that the movie is exploring how you know of course he's not going to realize he's racist and the movie i think it does a good job of showing how they they're like 
Josh Hartnett is clearly not making it about race or doesn't even isn't even fully aware that it's about race, but it is. And I there's that, there's that I, I, I just want to say there's that great line when Andrew Keegan says the N word and then like Hartnett says, "Whoa, bro, don't even take it there." Like that's yeah. <laughs> it's, that's, yeah. It's, I just don't buy if he's the most popular kid in school. He seems like a real chore to hang out with. He's like just a dirge the entire movie. And I also just had a problem with like, if he's the most popular kid and everybody loves him, he doesn't seem to be having any fun at parties and his entire days in school. Like, this is one thing I had with the movie, although maybe it's just my sound system. I don't know. I couldn't understand half of what Josh Hartnett was saying the entire movie because he's just whispering stuff like this, like, this person he's, he's being menacing charlie yeah but like then why is he the most popular kid also just it just i know that this is nitpicky but like i mean we talked about one of the and i'm again this is a much different film than bully but like bully we talked about once the murders happen they all like can't shut up and then they all get caught and it, i guess that's that's the other thing that i have a problem with and again i know it's based on a shakespeare adaptation but like if you're gonna do it with teenagers Teenagers talk to everyone, and apparently Josh Hartnett talks to everyone who talks about everybody except Josh Hartnett. Like, how does nobody find out that all this shit's going on? I just didn't buy it dramatically. And I think Mackay Pfeiffer is giving a really good performance, but it has to go through some very contrived, very sharp uh, arcs, emotional arcs for his character that I just didn't buy that he would change like that, that instantaneously, if that makes any sense. He seems to be being directed to go from one mode immediately into another mode that I just didn't dramatically buy, including the basketball scene where he shatters the hoop. And then he like basically like hits that kid with a basketball. I was just kind of like, everybody's like, yeah. And then he does that. And they're like, get the fuck off the the court. court. (laughs) Yeah. Or I was just like, I don't buy that. I'm sorry. Like, like I can buy, uh, I, I guess maybe it's the runtime too. I just felt like there were, and maybe this is my thing with movies about teenagers is like, it's all plot and no, and no time to breathe. And like, I think my favorite Shakespeare adaptations are the ones that are very extravagant in terms of scope, but also allow its characters moments to breathe and talk. And a lot of, you know, I talked to my roommate who uh, had read Othello and said that, you know, most of this, you know, is conveyed through like most Shakespeare plays monologues and stuff like that. And I feel like because they're teenagers and it's supposed to be this gritty kind of movie, you can't really just have a character talking to himself in his room without it being that type of stylized. So I'm wondering if all of the context of the play that was in those types of, you know, monologues where they actually say how they're feeling out loud uh, is just what I'm missing here, because I just didn't find any of this really all that believable because I just felt like I was watching teens give out very contrived dialogue so well this is well if you uh sorry uh, kevin i don't want to cut you off uh, i i just have something uh funny to bring up right when you were talking about how josh hardnett was using his fingers or whatnot it reminded me of i don't know there's a lot of buzz around lenny <laughs> just <laughs> uh Brian, go ahead um well i i was gonna say um uh mike i mean given that you've read othello i I was curious about like maybe if you had any thoughts about like how like how you feel this sort of translates the text and anything or like updates it for a modern context and like does it in a way that you think is effective um yeah yeah i mean i think charlie makes a good point in that soliloquies do play a massive role in terms of character interiority in the play um i don't remember the play in great detail. I think I read it in an undergraduate course, so it was a long time ago, but 
Um, I do, I think Iago, there is something just innately kind of um, enigmatic about him. He is kind of a cipher. I think that there is something kind of opaque about um, his interior world. I like that in the film. I, I don't disagree with you, Charlie, but I think for me that that strikes mm-hmm. me as interesting. And I think often, you know, psychopaths and sociopaths do just have a certain quality, a certain energy. Um, and that's how I read Iago is as a, as a psychopath, basically like a very mm-hmm. well-trained psychopath. So I think it's a sort of charisma or energy that he gives off. And I think maybe Josh Hartnett does a lot of heavy lifting as just a really good looking charismatic actor. And, and maybe there should have been more in the writing, but I guess I was along enough based on his performance, mm-hmm. but I can see what you mean. I can see like someone seeing it that way too. It, it makes sense. I guess. I, yeah. There's just the, I guess the melodrama that also occurs is like, they're dealing with some really thorny material here that, in a way results that, that, that and even going outside of Josh Hartnett, like there's some very uh, dicey stuff in here that is trying to be sensitive about race and masculinity and, um, and uh, how that intertwines with sexuality in a way that we'll get into that I felt was very heavy handed. And also, again, I didn't buy that the events would play out in this fashion, I guess in regards to I didn't fully buy Josh Hartnett, but I also didn't fully buy Mackay Pfeiffer. And if he's the tragic or uh, not, not, not the performance, but his character, the way he was written. And I guess my point is like, in order for me to feel the weight of the tragedy, I need to, at least one of those people to feel like a real person. And I just felt, I just saw gears turning like, okay, when's the inevitable tragedy going to happen here? Because I think it, it just felt clunky to me. So one thing I Sorry, Kevin. I feel like I'm talking over people. I, I'm sorry. No, no, no. You're not. I'm just coming in with stupid things to say. I'm just going to say that, Charlie, uh, the Josh Hardnett, you just got to watch what you say because Dan Mecca will be on this podcast and we'll have a lot to say. I'm just saying. Oh, I don't have a problem. <laughs> I like Josh Hartnett fine. I don't even think I think it's also I think part of it is his character and also the way he's being directed to act. I don't like that he's consistently just he's just whispering in class behind he's people's ears. creepy yeah but like popular kids in high school especially <laughs> guys have more going on than just this weird maniacal shit like it they, doesn't like, take like, much for a guy to be popular i went to a private school i went to a i knew a lot of kids who would talk sort of like this in a monotone and then he was randomly just somehow pulled out an acoustic guitar out of nowhere and just started playing <laughs> Wonderwall. Yeah. Uh, Brian, what were you going to say? Um, what was I going to say? Uh, I mean, I think it was about um, Hartnett. Um, I like the way that like he is clearly a psychopath, but I also think it's such an interesting way that he is playing like the notes of panic that Hartnett brings to like the closing passages of the movie where like he is like kind of like flailing about as he's as like roger fucks up the murder and everything and like he has to sort of like think on his feet and everything and like it's almost like this whole thing i mean he clearly wants to like ruin these characters lives but it almost like gets away from him how like he does almost like have like sort of a stunned look not that like he feels bad about it but it's just sort of like how did it get to this like I, he almost like once he brought of, in other people yeah yeah and i think partner plays yeah. that sort of 
imperfection like really well where he is like he is very cunning but also he is like you know because he's a teenager he he makes mistakes and everything like in the plan it's not like a flawless thing so i think like that those notes of uncertainty that he brings to it is like very effective uh, performance wise um yeah i agree and i i just sorry kevin i just want to build off what you said about bringing other people into it because that's one of the most interesting similarities i see between o and bully is this kind of diffuse sense of guilt or a kind of overarching socio-political guilt um, that plays out in the orchestration of a murder of someone who's at the center of a friend group that just struck me as an interesting kind of connection, I guess. Yeah. I, I just want to, I agree with a lot of Charlie's points. So I want him to know that he is heard because I I was pretty bored until the ending. So, um, uh, the end, which I thought was going to end on that freeze frame. And I was like, that's kind of badass, And then, also, the back of the DVD is like, it'll keep you guessing or whatever until it's brutal final frame. I was like, the final frame is just like a car driving off. It's not that it's not that brutal. Of a frame. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, that freeze frame would have been, you know, but yeah. So I was waiting for that final frame and I was just like, it's a car driving away. I was like, holy shit, dude. Wow. I would also say the tagline for the movie, trust, seduction, betrayal, makes it seem a lot more salacious than the movie actually. Makes it seem like yeah. Vanilla Sky, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what were you going to say, Charlie? Oh, just, it'll keep you guessing till the final frame. I don't know, it seems like a pretty straightforward downward <laughs> spiral. I'll what are you to grab, talking about? I'll have to grab the DVD to get the exact quote. Uh, yeah. But I, I also didn't know that there was a Lionsgate Signature Series DVD, and I didn't pick that up. I'm very sorry. I, I wanted it to go with my Signature Series of Monsters Ball. <laughs> Fuck a Criterion. That's what I got. Um, okay, let's get into the plot. Uh, during a high school basketball game, Odin James scores the basket that wins the game for the team. Later at award ceremony, the coach Duke Golding presents the MVP award to Odin for his efforts and award that he shares with his teammate, Michael. I have to be honest. I know you just got into the plot synopsis, but that's kind of when the first red flag went on uh, for me is when they were like, Mackay Pfeiffer, get up here. You're like... You're like a son to me. And then it just cuts back to Josh Hartnett being like, looking so sad. (laughs) Yeah. I'll send you an image of Josh Hartnett. I was just like him looking sad. I was like, this is the fifth time they've cut to him and he looks sad in the first five. Yeah. But it's like, that's immediately what we start with. And it's immediately like, okay, like we don't even really get, we guess we get one very brief basketball scene, but you don't know who these people are. And you just see Mekhi Pfeiffer shoot a lot of dunk, a lot of hoops. So it's like, all right, uh, he's good at basketball that's all and then the coach, yeah that's all i need to know <laughs> and then he's good at basketball you're like my son like okay well, <laughs> like, do you think maybe that's like a, a pointed thing that like they just view him for like his skill as a basketball player like you know like they talk about how like oh definitely really of course him. yeah i mean yeah. the school itself is using him but again i don't feel like the movie this is kind of my problem with everything in the movie is it doesn't dive deep enough in a way that is beyond the talking point and then they go yeah, on to sure. another talking point so but yeah, that that's definitely outlined in the scene where he breaks the basket and everybody's just nuts. And then he does something. He's just like, hey, man, you're you're supposed to be cool with us. And now you fucked up being a basketball player. And now we really hate you. Get the fuck off the court. Yeah, <laughs> just quickly. It can turn. Um, what do you also I'll make this. What do you think of Martin Sheen's performance? It feels like it's it's unhinged. Me, it's, it's very <laughs> strange. But then I guess there are maybe maybe there are basketball coaches who are just that cranked up all the time and everything. Like, I don't know. It's But it just it does feel like almost like it's in a different register than a lot of the other performances, which are kind of more natural. I do remember uh, Tim Blake Nelson in the commentary, like really wanted him to be amped up or it's just like 
this is a high school basketball team and this guy acts like he's like a NCAA uh, basketball coach. It's just like, yeah, I, in my high school, there was definitely coaches that thought they were like training the dream team and whatnot. Um, so yeah, I could definitely, definitely understand that when it comes to high school, which I, is this a private school? I'm assuming because they have like dorms and whatnot. But I ties to like the uniforms. Yeah, yeah, because for like half of it, I was like, wait, this isn't high school. This is obviously college. But then I forgot there was like, I was like, I I was like, I don't know. Giving a 15 year old its own dorm, you know, their own dorm. That's kind of. I mean, I wish I would have had it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, yeah. But yeah, different. I kept being like, no, right, it's not. It's high school. but mm-hmm. uh, where am I? And giving Odin the award, which also the guy that plays Michael Andrew Keegan is also in Ten Things I Hate About You, so he was a big Shakespeare guy. Uh, giving Odin the award, Duke passes over his son Hugo, Odin's teammate and friend. Don't see how they're friends. Uh, at a party celebrating yeah. the victory, Hugo plots with school outcast Roger Calhoun, prayed played brilliantly by my man from Idle Hands, uh, to go to the school's dean Bob and tell him that Odin raped his daughter Desi. Whom Odin has been dating. Hugo promises Roger that Desi will be his after Odin is out of the way, but Roger is only a pawn in Hugo's ultimate plan to destroy Odin. Uh, later in the game, Odin's team wins once again at the celebration party. Hugo engineers a fight between Roger and a very drunk Michael, who is temporarily suspended from the team. Hugo tells Michael to instigate himself or in- integrate himself with Desi so that she will talk to Odin on his behalf. Did anybody just be like hey you want to hang out with josh hartnett today hey haven't you noticed that like the past three times we've hung out with him it's really sucked like like, that's kind of my thing is like everybody's so eager to drop the hat but like every time they go near this guy something horrible happens and nobody's having fun and it's just like i don't know like even in high school like i went to bad parties for underage drinking and people puke too much like stuff like that but like this is like but it was never, like, always dramatic between, like, these types of things. And I get it. It's Shakespeare. But they just don't feel like teenagers to me. I, I, I just, they, they just feel like adults writing teenagers to me. Yeah. So. I mean, Especially I like, compared to Bully. Yes. Sure. Yeah. Um, I, 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 and, but, you know, different, uh, I mean, different class, uh, different classes. I mean, this is, like, very, oh, yeah. So, like, that's maybe, like, maybe they talk differently. I don't know. Um, But it's, um. I also do like him, you know, how, I mean, he is like, I guess, ostensibly popular, but everyone not, and maybe it's like more about like his status and like his dad is like the basketball coach and he's rich and everything. Um, Cause there is that scene when like, you know, Odin gets injured at the, injured at the game and like everyone like greets him at the hospital and everything. And he's like the last one to step into the frame and like, they're all buddy, buddy and everything, but then everyone else, else just sort of files up and like partner like lingers in the background. Obviously he's like plotting and everything, but like no one really wants to go back for him, like to, to hang out with them. Um, yeah. This is clearly proof that I didn't go to private school, but everyone who goes to this school seems rich. So would they really give a shit if his dad was the basketball coach? I feel like it would be kind of a thing where it's like, well, his dad is the basketball coach. Ah, fuck, who cares? He sucks. Like, I don't know. Well, and also Desi's dad is the dean. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, yeah. Every, like, everybody's connected. And again, that's the Shakespeare family, you know, the, the, the hierarchies of, you know, uh, mm-hmm. Shakespeare family art trees. But like, again, just, I don't know. Didn't work for me. <laughs> Yeah, uh, where am I at? Soon afterwards, Hugo tells Odin that Michael and Desi have been spending a lot of time together and she may be cheating on him. Odin doesn't believe this at first, but gradually comes to suspect them. Odin questions Desi, but she calms him down and he believes her. Nevertheless, the stress of the, situ- the, stress of the situation drives Odin to begin using drugs. Uh, this is not pointed out, but uh, Hugo is also like taking like 
like HGH, I believe, at the start. And like and going and getting like and getting it from a a, a black person at like a bar and everything. Like when he's like mm-hmm. and like it, it's and like there's the line where he says like, "Hey, don't, the, the guy who's dealing it dealing to him says like, "Hey, don't forget about me when you get to like the big leagues or whatever." And then like it's, I mean, it is like again like a very you know pointed thing of how like you know he's like very jealous of this of, of this of a black kid's like succeeding him a, a, ahead of him and everything but then also using you know black people to sort of help himself get ahead and everything so it's like very you know like cutting in sort of like that indictment of his character and his privilege um oh definitely yeah. that that i will agree with i mean the the stuff it is getting at about race in that regard i think is you know very pointed and you know very apt uh yeah yeah in the commentary uh Tim Blake Nelson was talking with the writer to be like, I don't really feel comfortable doing a scene where like it's a black guy getting drugs and this stuff happens and the writer was just like, no, but I understand that, but this is like what I want to put in. This is reality, stuff like that. Even if it can be seen as a trope, these things need to be in it. Uh, Oh, we get to the scarf. Here we go. Hugo manipulates his girlfriend, Emily, into stealing a scarf for him. Emily is very weird. Just yeah. very strange. Uh, where it's just like, hey, I'm going to come over. We're going to have sex. Can you just uh, be underneath your blanket the entire time? I brought you a CD to listen to. Yeah. Um, Hugo, in turn, gives it to Michael and hopes that Odin will believe Desi gave Michael the scarf in an effort to prove Desi is cheating on Odin. Meanwhile, Odin and Desi are having sex at a motel during which Odin sees an image of Michael on top of Desi's mirror. In the mirror, angered, he begins to become very rough with Desi to the point that she cries out for him to stop, a plea that he ignores as he continues to rape her. Afterwards, they lie together. We need to to talk about that scene. (laughs) Very upsetting, but like appropriately so, I think. I mean, I wish it wasn't set to Equimini by Outcast, but yeah. Yeah. (laughs) The fact that they don't fade the song out, even as like the mood of the scene changes that like the way that you they sort of force you to sit in like the naturalism of that moment i mean naturalism is maybe the wrong word because i mean like you don't see people in the, like you don't have visions of people in mirrors and everything but like it's but like you know, i i think like that sort of like sitting having that one part of like the mood like still hanging over as even as like the the stuff the encounter turns violent i think is like it's the sort of contrast between that is very just is appropriately disturbing and i think the actors play it well um uh, and it's not like, an, and like the way the, the the actors are filmed, like in their, with their bodies and everything, it's not like it's not like leering. I don't feel like no, it's not leery at all. I mean, it's it's a much different type of <laughs> filming a sex scene than as you know, bully. Uh, I found him looking in the mirror and seeing what's his name to be so clunky, though. I I, I just that feels very Shakespearean, though. But it, I agree. It, but it didn't work for me here, and it felt like it simplified what is a very upsetting act into something that felt very psych 101 to me. Like, <laughs> yeah. like it, it just didn't feel it, it, it. And I just don't, I don't know. That's a very, that's when the character, when Mackay Pfeiffer's character really shifts and it feels, mm-hmm. it takes a very hard turn into that behavior in a way that I had a, a tough time digesting just on in terms of its believability and then also what maybe you know i see what the film is trying to say but then it cuts to julia styles talking with her friend being like no i mean he didn't rape me well did you tell him to stop and then she goes what do you care about this if this person was white and it's like i mean in this is unfair because seeing it in 2023 it's like uh yeah (laughs) yes we would but i do know what the film's trying to get at with obviously the racism aspect of it i just don't really 
feel like the movie fully commits to diving into this provocation in a way that feels fully fleshed out. It's like, this is just something that happens along the way for part of his demise, not really her. Like it it just made me feel bad for her character because apart from having, she doesn't feel like a human being to me. She kind of feels like talking points all Mm -hmm. the time. And I don't, I, I just didn't buy it on a, on a psychological level, I guess. Would you say that maybe the movie... I like the way that the scene is uh, shot after when they walk out. It's like that lawn shot just sort of like sapped with like any kind of like sentimental like attachment to it. Mm-hmm. Where like it is just them finally out of the motel like very silently. Like I think that's like really effective. Um, And would you say that maybe she gets like a little bit more dimension when she has the whole scene where he accuses her outright of cheating uh, when like she can't find the scarf and then she that's does the, up for that's the best she is. In the yeah, movie. that's the best she is. But I don't really think that I think the movie's all about examining masculinity in a way that I don't really buy them as characters, but I especially don't buy her because she has to just be receptive to all of this abuse and all of this stuff and keep pushing back and be like, no, everything's fine. Like, or why are you, you know, like I, I, I don't fully like, what do we know about her other than she's in a relationship with this person? Like even bully, it's like, yeah, you don't know much about their, their lives are aimless and they make that very clear, but that is their, life here it's just like they're just in a prep school and this is all they think and care about like i just you know it's also one of those movies where they're in a prep school and nobody has homework or even talks about class or anything like that well, like well, you know there is a scene where they're talking about shakespeare in class and everything and then like um josh yeah, Hartman has really? some lights, i thought he wrote movies which made me think of the scene in orange county where mike white says <laughs> like shakespeare's place for made into a lot of great movies you know romeo and juliet Waterworld, Gladiator. <laughs> a lot. You know what rules think... Ocean's County? Orange County. Go ahead. I've never seen it. I oh, like Orange County. Oh, it's so good. I was just thinking, like, uh, as I was writing uh, my piece on O and Bully, another parallel I find interesting um, is the way there are these conversations between the two women following the rape scenes. And I'm, I was thinking about how uh, Lisa responds to... Um, Allie, when she tells her like that uh, Bobby has just raped her and she's very dismissive. And I thought the way the conversation was staged in, oh, is interesting to put into conversation with that. Um, like maybe the reason uh, the Julia Stiles character is responding, Desi is responding the way she is, it could partially just be to a kind of internalized misogyny. Like she's, she's not willing to accept what just happened. I think the film has a kind of I think it has a pretty intelligent view of like the socio-political context of gender roles. So I think I'm being charitable maybe in my reading, but that's the way I read the scene, I suppose. I mean, yeah, no, for sure. I mean, like the way that her dad reacts when he finds out that like she's sleeping with Odin or like at least dating him and like just the sort of possessiveness that he has over her. Like it is like it is possible that's like something that's passed down like to the kids in their own relationships with each other. Um, yeah, that's that's a very good point. Um, yeah, I, I wouldn't even have thought of that bully comparison you're right though that it is uh there's definitely similarities in that um yeah yeah in both movies that a rape happens and both the women are just like well wasn't quite like that you know type of thing which definitely just feels like they're downplaying it or they have that internalized yeah and and also the way that like sheen i think wants to handle it too when he says like you know like let's make this like it's a family matter and everything the way they want to just keep it in the school and not have it come out that feels very i mean especially like within like these this very rich society that feels very um very true to how some of these situations i think play out unfortunately um oh yeah 
Uh, we got two paragraphs left. After yes. Odin assaults another student during the game in a drug-fueled rage, Hugo tells him about the scarf, convincing him that Desi is cheating on him. In rage, Odin vows to kill her. Hugo then promises to kill Michael. Hugo with Odin and Roger plan to kill Michael and Desi. Hugo and Roger attempt to kill Michael in a carjacking, but it does not go as planned. Roger and Michael struggle. Hugo hits Michael with a crowbar, knocking him unconscious. Roger shoots Michael in the leg, and then Hugo turns a gun on Roger and kills him after telling him that Desi is dead. That, for people listening, that probably made absolutely no sense, and I'm very sorry. Uh, there was like 20,000 names being said, but uh, basically Hugo was trying to set this up as if Michael committed suicide, but uh, my man from Idle Hands actually shoots him in the leg, and you're just like, it can't be a suicide if he gets shot in the leg, and pretty much it's just... Yeah, I, I do really like Josh Hardnett after that. It's just screaming. It's just like, what 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 in the possible fuck can I do now? And it just like drives away. Um, Odin and Desi are in Desi's room talking, and Odin is pretending to make up with her. They are making out on the bed when suddenly, suddenly Odin attacks her. Desi fights back, but he finally strangles her to death. Emily rushes into the room and sees Desi's corpse. She soon finds out what Hugo has done. She begins telling Odin that Hugo told, Hugo told her to steal the scarf and explain exposes his plot and hugo fatally shoots her while when she refused to be quiet that was shocking as shit uh odin finally realizes that hugo has been manipulating him the entire time and it demands to know why hugo refuses to answer when the police arrive odin tells him what happened and shoots himself dying by suicide as hugo is taken into police custody he says in voiceover that he will have his day in the spotlight uh what was i going to say oh it kind of definitely i would say that you know, I haven't read Othello, so I don't know, but it definitely seemed like a big, big added from this to this movie from Othello was just Odin going on and on about just how his his perception is going to be after he killed his girlfriend and all that. It's just like, no, it's all his fault, even though everybody here is going to think it was all my fault type of thing. That definitely seems a lot more pointed in this one than it would in an Othello. Um, yeah, so there's that. Uh, Let's see. Uh, final thoughts on oh, what do we got? What do we got? Yeah, it's uh, it, it is interesting um, uh, to like think about a movie that like it, it, it was funny. I'm, I'm just thinking about like how like I don't think there are that many modern or like you know sort of like uh, revisionist like uh, Shakespeare uh, adaptations that get made now. Although I, it was funny, I was thinking about there's the Caitlin Deeper starring movie Rosaline, which is where she's like Juliet's cousin and she tries to break up Romeo and Juliet or something like that. And I'm thinking like. And like they, they position it as like a frothy comedy, it looks like in the uh-huh. trailers. But like but I'm thinking like, how do they uh how do they reconcile how that play ends? <laughs> <laughs> I tried so. to break them up, but they did it themselves. I don't yeah. Yeah. Um so, so it's interesting that this this movie, you know, it takes it, it makes it, you know, maybe more um accessible for modern, you know, teen audiences who were maybe seeing it at the time, uh, but like committing to like the the bleakness of the vision and everything it is. I, I do admire it for that. And the performances all feel very locked in. Like everyone everyone feels like they're playing their characters, even if like yes maybe the writing is like a bit broad and i i do agree with charlie that maybe it is like the hard turns that the characters make is like a little bit it is something you just sort of have to get on board with um rather than it maybe being suited to the world that the film is taking place in but um no i think i think everyone's like really locked in i think tim like nelson like directs the material um like as you said in like a very direct way that i think is very it makes the emotions hit a lot harder um yeah, no, it's 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 very good, and like it's no, it doesn't have a very. I mean, at least in Canada, like I, I, it's like hard to access, like streaming or rental wise, uh, um, and it doesn't have like that many views on like Letterboxd. Uh, so like, I don't know. I, I hope people like discover this movie over time. Um, yeah, because I think it's really worthwhile. 
Yeah, in the U.S., I watched it on HBO Max, and same. I think the Blu-ray is probably like how to print. The Blu-ray, for some reason, takes the exact same poster, but puts in different poses for everybody, and it looks god-fucking-awful. I have no idea what they were thinking. Uh, but yeah, it's on HBO Max right now. But uh, Mike, do you have any final thoughts on O? Yeah, I also uh, noticed it's extremely difficult to find in Canada, which struck me as odd. Um yeah, maybe part of the reason I enjoyed O oh so much is because I had such, I kind of had low expectations. I hadn't heard a lot about the film. It's not very visible. It's not very talked about. Um, and I did find it has like um, unusually kind of probing and provocative dealings with race and gender and class um, that I don't usually see in like mainstream teen movies. So that in itself kind of drew me in. I also just personally tend to find these kind of like dark high school dramas interesting. It's just something that um, I'm drawn to as a viewer and as a reader. Um, so that colors my perception of it, I guess. Um, but I agree with uh, Bryden. All the performances are so locked in. I think that's one of the things I really appreciate about this film is the performances. So, uh, did, Didn't Josh Whedon randomly do a Shakespeare movie? Yeah. I th- and I think that's like verbatim text. Like he's pulling like directly from the, the text, not updating it for modern times. Uh, yeah, I, 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 I've i done three or four Shakespeare where it's straight up the text and the entire time I'm just like looking through the TV. I'm like, I, I, this is Greek to me. I was like, you got to put this in English. I'm sorry. Uh, that's because I am dumb. Uh, okay. Oh, please. Oh, uh, one, one, one question, actually. Um, Mike, given that you're you're an author and a, a writer, is there a, a, maybe would you like to take the opportunity to plug any any of your work um, just at the yes, end of the please. show? Oh, sure. Thanks, guys. Um, yeah, I have three books. Uh, my novel, Shelter for the Damned, is uh, available. I have two short story collections as well, Darkest Hours and... Uh, people like what I have to say about movies. There's a section of film criticism in that collection. And my most recent book is called Peel Back and See. Um, yeah. So, and my website's mikethornwrites.com if people want to hit me up or check out my writing. Excellent. Awesome. Um, have you seen House of the Dead, sir? I have not, but I know I should. I know it's a must. Should you? About... That's the that yeah. wow. <laughs> I'm just going to end every episode by just blindsiding people and be like, you seen this shitty movie? <laughs> uh, uh, not yet. Not yet. Should I? No. Okay. Thanks. Is that Yui Boyle? Is that? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. And then after that, we were just like, we're done. I don't care. We could have done Alone in the Dark for this miniseries, but no, let's save our sanity. We covered Yui Boyle, uh, Bowl as one of the first filmmakers we ever covered on this show. We got to Yui Bowl before Robert Altman, <laughs> Tim Blake Nelson, <laughs> David Kemp, Stephen Carpenter, Yui Bowl. That was the three out of the right at the start. Yeah. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Almost Major. Please rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes. Please follow the pod on Twitter at Almost Major to keep up to date with what movies we will be covering in the future. Myself, I can be found on Twitter and Letterbox at Kev Bonesy. Bryden can be found on Twitter at Bryden Doyle and on Letterbox at J Doyle. Charlie can be found on Twitter and Letterbox at CT Nash91. Once again, thank you for listening.